You know, talking about stress, one of the things that you figure out about stress is that stress is a partner to the word progress. The word, part, the, the word progress and the word stress typically go together. Every time that we make a move, every time that we try to change, every, every time that we try to achieve, every time that we try to advance, every time that we try to go up the ladder, whether it's a new relationship or a new promotion at work or a new opportunity or a, a change that happens in our life, maybe a, a new child that comes into our life, we uh, buy a new house. In fact, counselors will tell you that one of the questions that they'll ask you if you're going through a real season of stress is they'll they'll begin to ask you how many new things have happened in your life because stress and progress tend to be partners. And what happens is when we go through these these stages where we go on to a, a, a next stage, an advancement, if you will, where we move from one stage into the next stage, stress usually comes along with that. And the way that we handle that stress is that we usually go into a mode of franticness or busyness or just trying to, to catch up because we, we understand that we maybe we don't have the tools for this stage that, that got us by for the last stage. And so, so then we try to overcompensate, if you will. We go into this mode of, I've got to do more, I've got to stress more, I've got to, I have more anxiety. And so we go into this franticness, and that affects our bodies, but even more than just our bodies, that stress that we have, that, that because of the progress that we're in, it can also affect our relationships, in fact, you could look back at the stressful times of, of our lives, maybe you're in one right now, and you could really identify that one of the first areas that suffered because of that stress was simply your relationships. It affects our intimacy with each other. It affects our intimacy with God. You, all of a sudden, people become, this is how you know you're stressed. When the people in your lives become a calendar item to you, you're stressed. When your friends that you used to spend time with, that you just enjoyed, now you have to put a date on a calendar and you don't actually look forward to hanging out with them anymore. When those things become a calendar item, when people become a calendar item on your calendar, you know you've reached a point in your life where you are too stressed. And it not only affects our relationship with others, it affects our relationship with God. Why? Because when we are trying to make progress in our life and trying to advance our life, and when we're stressed, what happens is our relationship with God becomes a luxury instead of a necessity. It becomes something that when we had time for, because we weren't so busy and so stressed and there wasn't all this advancement and all this progress happening and we weren't in this new stage of our life, when we didn't have all of that, we had time for God. In other words, man, you know, I'm glad that you got time for small group. I don't have time for small group. You know, small group is for, you know, people that aren't that busy and that don't have all this stuff going on and all this stress happening in their life. And, you know, for, for busy people, man, you know, small group is, an, is a luxury. It's not a necessity. It's a luxury. And I, I don't have time for that. Or, man, you know, going into leadership or membership, becoming a member or a leader here at the church, you know, that must be nice for the people that don't have much else to do, you know, and, and they're ready to make all of those commitments and all of those things. And what happens is if we're not careful when we are making progress or what we we identify as progress when we're moving stages in life we think that our relationship with God and our relationship with uh, with each other is a luxury item instead of a necessity item and I just I'm warning you and I'm inherently telling you uh, that that happens and so 
here's kind of the question. If you're taking notes, the four or five of you that like to take notes on Sundays, I, I want you to write this down the, this morning. Here's kind of the question that I want us to walk away with and, and have an answer for when we leave here the, in this room in a few minutes. The, answer, the question is, how do I avoid unnecessary stress and how do I handle the stress that I can't avoid? So let me frame it like this. And let me tell you, there actually is stress that can be avoided. There is stress that happens in our life that we can actually avoid. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a second. But then there's stress that happens that we can't avoid, that is unavoidable. So we want to walk away today, kind of the thesis of what I'm saying today is, how do I, how do I avoid the stress? How do I avoid unnecessary stress? And how do I handle the stress that I can't avoid? And let me just paint the picture for you, just kind of start with this thought. What would happen if all of us that are in the room today would begin to live our lives around and underneath and within the parameters of God's boundaries and God's parameters in our life? In other words, what would happen if we figured out what the Bible said or we figured out what God said or we, and we begin to understand that there were actually boundaries, there were actually parameters, there was actually guidelines, if you will, that God gave us. There was a framework that God gave us to, to live our life and, and when we live our life outside of those boundaries, we actually add stress to our lives. So, so what would happen if we would operate under God's boundaries within our marriage? What would happen if we would operate under God's boundaries in our family? What would happen if we operated our finances according to God's parameters, God's guidelines? What would happen if we operated our business out of God's guidelines and God's, God's parameters? So it would, what, what would happen in our lives if we didn't? Well, I just want to tell you that if we don't, or actually I should say for all of us, including me, when we don't operate within God's boundaries, God's parameters in our life, we actually add stress to our lives. We don't even realize it, but we do. Let me illustrate it like this. For the, the father, or for the husband, rather, for the husband that isn't loving his wife the way that Christ commanded him to love his wife, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in that marriage. That marriage is going to have stress attached to it. If the wife is not respecting the husband, as the Bible asked, that, that, you know, that Paul clearly demonstrated and that God told us, if you'll operate within those parameters, if the wife is not respecting the husband, as the Bible instructs, as God instructs them to do, there's going to be unnecessary stress that happens in that marriage. If a child is not obedient to their parents, okay, and some of you have been, it's not your house, it's somebody else's house that they have the crazy child, you know, the four-year-old that doesn't listen, the eight-year-old that, you know, will stop, not stop, you know, that's disobedient. I know it's not your house. It's somebody, it's your friends. You're thinking of your friends right now. And so, you know, it's a, but we've been in those houses, and what happens when the child doesn't do what God, the parameters that God laid out, which was children, obey your parents unto the Lord, okay? And, uh, and so that's one of the first verses that we taught our, child, our children growing up, you know? And so, uh, so what happens is, what, what happens is there's stress in that house. There's stress in that family. 
What, hap- what happens when, when we don't operate our finances the way that God set it up for us to operate our finances? There's going to be unnecessary stress. What happens when people are dating and they're not yet married and so they operate outside of the boundaries that God kind of gave us explicitly to operate and, and they decide I'm going to go outside of those moral parameters, those moral guidelines that God gave us, those moral commands that God gave us? Well, what, what happens? Well, there's stress because what if she gets pregnant? What if she gets pregnant? What if she gets pregnant? What if I am pregnant? What if I am pregnant? What if I am pregnant? There's stress that happens that actually can be avoided if we would learn to operate within God's guidelines for our life. So think about that for a second. Let's take it a layer deeper, if you will. Let's, let's go a layer deeper. And let's talk about the fact that uh, as, as we're about to read from this text today, And it's a game-changing thought that I believe for all of you. I want to talk to you about something that gives your stress fuel injection, okay? It actually, I had this car, this Mustang, when I was in high school. And and so, if you know know anything about me, you know that I actually love to drive fast. And uh, I'm taking the staff on Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday, and we're going to somebody's house that owns a really fast sports car, like one of those like sports cars that I could never ever own because it's I don't know how much money. And uh, one of the things that he does when we go, when the last time I was at his house, is he actually lets you drive the car, and he takes you on a road where he said that he knows the cops in the area, and he encourages you to see how fast you can go in like three or four seconds. And so, and I did this last time, and the regret that I had that I'm going to fix on Tuesday was that I got it up to 99 miles an hour in in just like zero to five seconds. And he's like, man, dude, you're a loser. You didn't get it to 100, you know? And so that's why we're going back on Tuesday. I'm going to fix that. And so so I had this car when I was in high school, going back to fast cars, that you would push a button. And, and I've never owned a car like this since. I don't even know. I think they still maybe make them. Uh, but you pushed a button. It was a Mustang. And you pushed a button. And all of a sudden, that car would, vroom, it would go in, into a different speed. And I don't know how that, all that works. And, but I just know that when I push this button, I go at a different speed. Okay? That's, I don't know if this is like the right, right word for it, but that injects fuel or injects speed. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. And if you want to know the button that you push in your life that actually adds stress that could be avoided, the fuel injection button that you push in your life, it is when you begin to operate out of this. And I want you to write this down. When you operate out of a desire to either appear to be something you are not or become something you are not. To appear to be something you are not, or to desire to become something you are not. Let me give you an example, okay? New couple, gets married. Everybody else, all their friends are buying houses. So they're like, well, we can't really afford it, but man, everybody else is doing it. So this is, I guess this is kind of the next thing. It's the next phase. It's the advancement. It's, you know, it's what we're supposed to do. And so what do they do? They, they sit down, they get out a calculator and a pencil, and they go, okay, let's figure out how we can do this. Okay, and they say, okay, if we don't eat lunch for the next year, uh, I think we can pull this off. If you get a second job, Okay, uh, and, and add to your 40-hour-a-week job if you can get another 20-hour. So if you can work 60 to 80 hours, I think we can do that. 
if we will stop tithing, okay, and definitely not give our kingdom builders pledge, you know, like, and so what they do is, in an effort to become something they are not, or to, in an effort to appear to be something they are not, they actually make a decision that is going to add a high level of stress to their life, okay? Some of you don't maybe connect with that. Let's talk about this. A guy has a new business, and it's not going like he wants it to go, okay? And he's in business, and he's like, you know, he hasn't made his first million yet. So he's like, man, I really got to get to that first million. I'm 40 years old now. and haven't made my first million. I got to get there. It seems like everybody else is getting there ahead of time, and they're all advancing faster than I am, and everybody's making their dollar. You know, how do I get to there? I want to make my dollar. And so, so what do they do? They go out and they do something that is a bad decision, that is a shortcut decision, that maybe even be illegal or something they shouldn't do, and, and they're under advice not to do, but they do it. Why? Because in an effort to advance ourselves before it is time for us to advance, to be something, to be to appear to be something, or to become something that we actually are not, we actually add stress to our lives. Maybe you'll understand this one. The single adult that has been single for a long time. Okay, and they're going, what's wrong with me and God, I've been praying and praying, I've been waiting and waiting, and it's like the power, you know, and like we prayed, I prayed this morning that the power would come on, and power didn't come on, and what do you do during that time, you know, like you want the, mir- don't we all love the miracle stories, like we prayed and we laid hands on the generator out, you know, the power box outside of the church, and God brought the light, you know, and that's the story we want in our lives. What do we do when the power doesn't come on, okay? What do you do in the waiting? What do you do when you've been praying for the man, but the man ain't coming? What do you do when, you know, you come to church every week with an ulterior motive? Yes, I'm here to worship you, Jesus. Yes, I'm here to learn. Yes, I want to get closer to you, all of that, but... If you could bring a guest in today that, you know, I would really appreciate a single man, you know, that kind of. So what do we do when it's not happening, when you're waiting and you're tired of being the bride's maid and you'd like to be the bride? You're tired of being the, the you know, the, the standing in the wedding party and you want to be the groom. What do, you, what do you do when that happens? Well, here's what many people do. They take a look in the mirror and they go, you know what, it's time. I ain't getting any younger and... So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lower my standards. I realize that my list is too long. I mean, I, I've said I wanted a, a Christian that really loves Jesus, that, you know, and your list, you go through your list, and, and then so you go, okay, well, how can I narrow this down? I'm going to find somebody that's breathing, okay? If they have a job, that's a plus. So what happens? Well, in an attempt to advance their stage of life in an attempt to in, in in an attempt to become something they're not or to have the appearance of being something they're not they add stress to their lives because i can't tell you how many people we have counseled that made a rush into a decision for a man or a woman and they all of a sudden they've added so much stress and it was and they look back at their single days and they go those days were easy compared to this what happens? What happens is when we make an attempt to actually appear to become something we're not or to become something that we are not, but when we make an attempt to advance ourselves, to, to not wait on God, we actually add stress to our lives. One more example. 
the teenager that's on the fringe. And what I mean by that, the teenager that's, that is not in the in crowd quite yet. Maybe they're right on the edge of the in crowd and they're going, they're waiting for their chance. They're waiting for their opportunity and, and, uh, and then their opportunity comes. The only problem is that they actually have to compromise their values to get inside that in crowd. What, what do they do? They, they compromise their standards. They compromise their values. And what happens? In an attempt to become something they're not or to appear to be something they are not, they actually make a decision that is going to add maybe years of stress in their life with a whole bunch of regret. So what does the Bible say about how to do that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, watch this way, we live in an age of personal advancement, don't we? Like, I, I live this way. And so, how many of you are like me? Let me ask you this question. How many of you, when you go to a stoplight, you make a decision based on how many cars are in which lane, which lane that you're going to get in? Okay, come on, raise your hands. Yeah. Okay, so if there's two cars here and there's five here, I'm, I'm getting over, man. Because why? Because I'm going to get to where I'm going faster than that dumb you know, left lane that's got five cars in it. They're dumb. I'm going, I'm going in the right lane. I'm going to get there faster. We do this. This is how we live. We're, we're Americans. My, my children say if I want to get uh, somewhere safely, I ride with mom. If I want to get somewhere fast, I ride with dad. Okay? This is how we live. We, we live in this age of I've got to get there, and I've I got to get there fast, and I'm not getting any younger. And I've got talents, and I'm convinced that a lot of this has to do with this blessed thing that we have in our lives called Instagram and Facebook, okay? Have any of you ever had a day, please be honest so I don't feel lonely up here, any of you ever had a day that you've read other people's Facebook posts or other people's Instagram pictures you've, and you're going, why does everybody have a better life than I do? Come on, how many, how many of you ever had that thought? Like, like, how is their life better than mine, okay? And for the rest of you, we love you, you're so awesome, yay, okay? Okay, but, but, but for me, I've had that thought, like, how, how come they got that? How come they got that advancement? How come that's happening in their life? And how come this happened in their life? And what you don't realize is that social media is what's called everybody's highlight reel. They're not putting, most people are not putting up their bad days. Most people are not putting up a picture of blank space called nothing and saying, uh, this is what's happened in my life today. Nothing. So I want you to know that. Just be jealous of that. Why? Because we're not putting those up because that's not the fun part. That's not what we do. And so what we're reading here today is we're reading a, uh, just two verses from a passage by a guy named Peter. You may know him as St. Peter or Simon Peter or the Apostle Peter. Okay, he act, This is a guy that actually walked with Jesus when Jesus was physically on the planet. And Peter is a guy that understands stress. The reason we know that is because he was actually around when Jesus was crucified and ran for his own life because he was afraid of being tortured, which later on in life he actually was crucified upside down. And so he understands stress, okay? He has been there. He understands stress. And he has some insight for us that I want you to walk away with. Turn your phones, okay, to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, okay? 1 it won't be on the screens. It's usually on the screens, okay? I know, there's three people I saw look up at the screens, okay? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. We're going to read two verses. This is what Peter tells us, okay? He tells us, humble 
yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So Peter says, okay, Peter says what you and I are are going to do is we're going to shift our focus away from what we wish we were, what we hope to become, and we're going to shift that to focusing on walking humbly before God. And this word humbly goes with the word obedient. Everybody say humility, obedience. Come on, say it again. Say humility, obedience. Okay, humility, obedience. So if you don't understand how those words correlate, just ask any child. Any child that has to just obey mom and dad. There's humility in that. you got to lay down your pride when you just have to take the trash out like dad said, take the trash out. Why? Because I said so, and that's the only explanation you need. Okay? There takes great humility in that. So what are we called to do with our lives? We are called, first of all, to focus on walking humbly before God. What do you do in the waiting? What do you do in the time where you go, I've got, I've got gifts, I've got talents. Yes, I do. You know, God, I've got things. I want to, I want to be promoted. I want to advance. I want to be, I want to move on to the next stage. If I'm married, I want to have, we want to have children. If we have one, you know, we want to have two. If if we don't have a house, we want a house. If we are single, we want to be married. And everybody wants to be sometimes what they're not. And so what happens is when we get our focus on our own advancement, we add stress when we are supposed to just focus on what? Walking humbly before God. Just being obedient. Walking with God. And it's not just obedience for obedience sake. It's obedience for the sake of trust. Because when we try not to just promote ourselves and, and move ourselves to, to the next stage before it's the right time, what do we what do we do? Well, here's what we do. We say, God. I trust you. You're going to get me there. In your time, in your way, in your will, I'm trusting you. So first, we walk humbly before God. Secondly, write this down, we let God advance us in his time. In his time. Let's look at the last portion of that verse, okay? Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. Let's read those three words out loud together. In due time. Y'all did not read those out loud together. We're going to try that again, okay? That he may lift you up in due time. One more time. In due time is his time, not your time. Here's the good news. That actually implies that God is interested in maximizing your potential He wants to advance you. He wants to promote you. He knows you have gifts. He knows you have talents. He knows you got stuff going on, and he knows you got a lot to offer, but you have to let him do that in due time, in his time. Why? Because he knows, and Peter knows, as he's telling us, that why? That when we get involved and when we try to move ourselves ahead, when we try to advance ourselves, what are we going to do? We're going to mess it up. And there's all kinds of examples of that all over the Bible, friends. It is all throughout the Bible. Why? Because he knows you're going to make a decision you're going to regret. You're going to have to live with the rest of your life. You're going to do something you're going to you wish you wouldn't have had you wish you wouldn't have done. I think about the the example in the Bible of 
uh, Abraham and Sarah, they're really old. If you don't know who they are, they're this really, 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 really old couple. And I can say that they're really old because none of you in this room are even remotely close to the age that they were. And they're, they wanted a child, and they're getting older, and they're, they're, they're not trusting God. And so what happens? They actually decide to take measures into their own hands, and they devise this scheme of, hey, what if you, you know, Sarah says, if you sleep with my servant, then, you know, maybe she'll get pregnant, and, and we can do it that way. And then they actually have a child that way, but then it's a whole mess. And so what happens is because they couldn't wait on God, they rushed it, they did it their own way, they didn't wait for God's time. God wants you to be promoted. He wants to advance you, but it's got to be in his time. God says, since I know the players and you don't, let me handle this. Since I know the future and you don't, let me handle this. Since I know what's best for you and you don't, you just walk humbly with me, and in due time, I will lift you up. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever had someone speed by you on the highway that was going a ridiculously fast Speed. How many of you, come on, raise your hands. You ever see that, that person? Okay. I don't know if you're like me. Here's one of my thoughts I wish I could drive that fast. I don't know how this whole sermon turned into driving fast, but I, I wish the police wouldn't pull me over if I drove. I wish I didn't have to pay that three or $400 ticket. Okay. I, I wish I didn't have to worry about staying alive and being, you know, for my children and my wife and for, for our, our church. I wish. But let me ask you this. How many of you have ever seen that person, if you drive two miles down the road, and they're pulled over? Come on, don't, isn't that fun? Isn't that like, yeah, sucker, gotcha. I know, I, I know, I've got to close soon, I know, yes, yep, I know. Oh, we're running out of gas. Okay, good. That's great. <laughs> running out of gas in the generator, okay, in the generator. So we're almost done. Here's the last part of this. Come up and play while you can, boo-boo. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How many are glad God cares for you? Okay. Let me just say this. We're getting ready to close because we're running out of gas in the generator. Okay. Let me say this. That, that sentence, the way it's usually framed is, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. In fact, let me ask you a question. How many have ever heard... That second verse, raise your hands if you've ever heard that verse. Cast all your anxiety on him. For he, okay, that's been preached a lot. We love that verse. Yes, God, I cast my anxiety. Okay, let me ask you another question. How many of you have not heard much about that first verse? Yeah. Do you know that in the Bible, here's what we're most famous for as Christians. Pick out a word or a verse and run with it. 100 miles an hour. That's called taking things out of context, okay? And in the Bible, this verse is actually a a participle. It's not an imperative. Participle is, in this verse, the actual original language, actually, it's not the word cast, it's the word casting. In other words, that verse 6 and verse 7 are actually attached to each other. So here's what Peter is saying. If you will walk humbly before God... And, and you'll be obedient and you walk humbly before him and you'll let him lift you up in due time. If you'll do that, then you can cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. In other words, if you'll 
obey and walk humbly before God and not add avoidable stress to your life because you're trying to advance yourself in your own time, okay? If you'll do that, then the unavoidable things that happen in life that you couldn't avoid, you can cast the rest of those on God, on Jesus. And he cares for you. I want you to write this down. God assumes total responsibility for the life that is surrendered to him. God assumes total responsibility for the life that is surrendered to him. Let me just close by just sharing the greatest illustration of this, the greatest example of this that I can. One of our one of my close friends, one of our leaders, one of our elders here in our church, David McMullen, I saw this, this actual text played out in his life in a very powerful illustration that I just want to share with you. There was a time that David lost his job. He was laid off, and it wasn't a short amount of time. There's a difference between when you lose your job and you get a new one like a day later or two days later. It was a longer amount of time. And I thought to myself, if that was me, I would be freaking out. I would be, I would be going door to door. I would be, I mean, I would be going crazy. I'd have so much anxiety and I would be, you know, totally like, I've got to fix this and I've got to advance myself and I got to get another job and I got to do all of the, the, you know, the things that I would, would have done. But you know what David did? David came to the church. And I want you to turn around and see that sound booth back there, okay? Look at that sound booth. Isn't that nice? That didn't come with the building when we purchased it. You know what David did? Elder David helped build that sound booth. He would come into the church and I would say, any news on the job front? I think I asked him every day, probably annoying, but no, not not yet, Pastor. And he'd say something that David would say, just trust in God. Because if you know him, he's just a rock. Just totally steady. And do you know what God did? God actually landed something in his lap that literally was God's thing for him. He's now the FCA director over Fellowship of Christian Athletes all across our city and has influence with coaches and athletes and people that you and I would never even meet. David has influence with. Why? Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. If you'll walk humbly before God and let him advance you in his time. What if David would have just run out and gotten what he thought he should have, and he wouldn't have waited on God? Well, who knows, but that he's not the FCA director in in New Orleans. He waited on God. And because of that, God advanced him in the way that he wanted to. And I just believe that God can do that with all of us. Amen? And I believe that too with our, our moms in the room, with all of our women in, in the room. Because moms, here's the deal on you. When you become a parent, especially a mother, most of your worry is transferred out of your life into your children. So you're not worrying about what's going on with you, not near as much as you're worrying about your kids. Am I right, moms? 
You know what's really hard? Is to let God take care of our children. To let God advance him, her, our kids in his time. Moms, I have something I just wanted to read to you because I want you to know that I want you to focus in on that the portion of the verse that said, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. God loves you, mom. God loves you, woman. God loves you. He loves you so much. And we do too. For every pregnant mother who still cradles her little one safe inside, for every mother of little ones who never has a moment alone, for every mother of grown ones who misses the commotion and the chauffeuring of kids from place to place, God loves you and cares for you, and so do we. For everyone who has stood beside a hospital bed, for every mom who still tucks a child into bed at night, for everyone who has brought a child to be dedicated to the Lord, and for everyone who has stood at a graveside, for everyone who regrets an abortion, and for everyone who rejoices in the gift of adoption, God cares for you, and so do we. For the one who is heartbroken by another negative pregnancy test, and for the one who wonders how to feed another mouth, for every grandmother helping raise her grandchildren, and for every young mother doing it on her own, for the single mom working two jobs and pinching pennies, and for the stay-at-home mom who's counting the cost, God cares for you, and so do we. For every woman who longs for a child, for every woman who prays for a child, for every woman who loves a child, God loves you, God cares for you, and so do we. For every woman who is single and every woman who is married, for every woman who prays for a child, with a child and over a child, for every woman precious and loved in God's sight, God cares for you, God loves you, and so do we. Cast all your anxiety on Him, for He cares for you. Trust Him to get you there in His time. Trust him to get your children there in his time. He loves you so much. Could you close your eyes and bow your heads across this room?